Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sally A. from South Jersey, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, 2015. Today we are reading from the AA Big Book, and we will begin reading the last paragraph of page 101, beginning with, You Will Note. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Amy W., 12 Traditions, Nancy S., and our readers for the text will be Kathy K., Anita J., and Santa H. The reference number for Wednesday, July 22nd, 2015 is 7862. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Amy W. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Amy W., compulsive overeater from California. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Amy W. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, Sally. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater, awake and ready this morning. Um, Twelve traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you for letting me do this service and I pass. Thank you, Nancy S. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the AA Big Book on page 101 at the bottom of the page, beginning with, you will note. I will now ask Kathy Kay to begin reading. Thank you, Sally. This is Kathy Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. You will note that we made an important qualification. Therefore, ask yourself on each occasion, have I any good social, business, or personal reason for going to this place? Or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure from the atmosphere of such places? If you answer these questions satisfactorily, you need have no apprehension. Go or stay away 
whichever seems best. But be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive in going is thoroughly good. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it. But if you are shaky, you had better work with another alcoholic instead. Well, um, this is Kathy Kay, and there is so much important information in this paragraph. Um, I'm going to focus on uh, basically the need to assess before going somewhere whether I'm on solid spiritual ground. I remember early in my abstinence and recovery, I chose to stay away from certain places um, because I really was not on solid spiritual ground yet and um, was feeling very vulnerable. Um, It was only as I began to uh, have a vital spiritual experience that I knew and trusted that uh, my higher power was there wherever I went. And therefore, if I had good reason to be there, um, I would be given the spiritual fitness um, to uh, stay abstinent and to be present for whatever that reason was. I've had sponsees who have um, insisted on going places and uh, ended up breaking their abstinence. And it was in reviewing these situations that um, they could begin to see for right now, it's better that I stay away, even if I want to go or I think I have a good reason for going. Um, So over time, as I've lived in recovery, it becomes intuitively clear and I can go to most places today. I can go anywhere that I have a good reason to go, (laughs) excuse me, principally because I'm in constant contact with my higher power. The other thing is this last sentence has always been very helpful to me. Think of what you can bring to the situation um, rather than what you are getting out of the occasion. Um, I have found that to be extremely helpful for remembering that my primary purpose is service. And especially when I'm going to a challenging situation, um, having that mindset really helps me be present, be kind, be tolerant, and abstinent. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kathy Kay. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Rachel W. This is Bella. Can I share? Melissa C. Katie G. from Boston. Anybody else? All right, I got Charles, Rachel W., Bella, Katie G., and Melissa. Let's go ahead and start with that. Charles? Good morning, Charles. Hi, good morning, my spiritual sister, Sally. Thank you for your continued service. My name is Charles A. to Recovered Visionary, just for today. Um, I want to speak, man, there's a lot packed in here. I want to speak to, um, I want to drill down on, have I any social 
business or personal reason for going to this place? Well, being a compulsive overeater um, and being in disease, I always have a reason to go. I don't even need a reason to go to certain places. But, um, you know, as I said previously uh, early in the week, I, I could tell you this, and, you know, I'm going to relate this in, and I'm not scared to say this because I'm going to walk in miracle today because of God. Um, you know, I used to walk in the crack houses, and, you know, and the reason I walked in there is to smoke crack. But God, thank God, right? <laughs> thank God. I, if I go to a barbershop today, you know, I'm going to get a haircut. So that's the reason why I go. But I used to tell myself, even in early recovery from, from, uh, from, from my eating disorder, that, you know what, I'm going to go into McDonald's and I'm going to be like, you know what, we shouldn't be eating here. <laughs> but that's not too spiritual doing that, Charles. And, and the 12 steps that's laid out in the big book, like if I have a reason to be there, you know, I ask, which, which, which I, I pray. Certain places I go, like every morning I get up and pray, and I thank my higher power for waking me up from the cousin of death. But um, I, I could just identify with going some places and, and not being spiritually fit. Um, yeah, I can go to a restaurant every night, and I don't have to touch anything because I'm on spiritual ground. Not saying that it's not me, and I don't puff my chest out because I can, man, I can pick up quick. It's the grace of God that's connected to that source power. And, you know, you know, I'll share something real quick. I went to the doctor yesterday and had an eye test. He was like, you know what, you got 20-20 vision. And I said, you know what, Doc, I really can't see. But he said I got 20-20 vision. With that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thanks for sharing, Charles. And Rachel W., you're up. Rachel, star one to unmute. Good morning, Sally. Um, thank you so much for your service. Um, and good morning, everyone. This is such a packed paragraph, but... um. Um, just, you know, I'm just thinking about the times that, uh, you know, it's, it's not always about, you know, the parties or things that are optional, but rather, you know, family events that really are things that we just kind of do that, that, um, that I, I think, especially early in my absence, I had to really fit into my life and, um, you know, fit into, I, I had to figure out, you know, like how, how I was going to work certain things out, like family trips, for example, you know, were always, um, you know, f- full of, uh, junk food and snack food and, um, and, um, you know, in program and, you know, I had to just, you know, be in those situations and, you know, how do we manage that? You know, these, these annual family trips that, that I always do and where there's so much, you know, stuff going on and stuff around. And, um, I didn't feel like there was such an optional, you know, choice there, but, um, you know, what I found was that, you know, in, in abstinence, um, Thank God, you know, we, my husband and I just took a camping trip last week, and we were able to, you know, pack up our our absent foods and have such an amazing time and really enjoy, you know, enjoy the trip. And because because the food is down, you know, and because there's the there's no, you know, sugar to give us like a, a sugar coma high or, or you know just not not you know to have to go there. And um, I'll never forget this, you know, this last paragraph about about the idea of fellowship. 
Um, once, you know, we were taking a, a road trip with, with our kids. We were going from New York to southern Illinois. And um, anyone that's driven that, that path, you know, from Pennsylvania through to Illinois, it gets really boring. And I was driving around 2 a.m., and it was back in the days of this guy Art Bell on the radio, and he was telling some kind of compelling evidence of, of um, aliens. It was a strange thing on the radio. And, um, and I remember thinking about the food that was behind my seat and all these snack food, and I thought to myself, I could just reach around and eat that, you know, and, and it'll be no big deal. And it was, it, was, it was like, you know, there I was, you know, driving in the middle of the night, everyone's sleeping. I'm abstinent, you know, for a good while, but, you know, I could have just picked it up. And I thought to myself, what's stopping me? You know, and it wasn't the fact that I had to take insulin shots in my thigh when I was pregnant because I had gestational diabetes. It wasn't for my health. It wasn't for my kids. The, thing, the, the, the single reason I did not pick up was because suddenly the faces of my home group um, flashed in my mind, and I thought to myself, what am I going to say when I go back next week and tell everybody that I binged like that? And um, so that's the power of fellowship, and that's the idea of, uh, of you know, what it can do. And um, so thank you all for allowing me to share, and have a great day. Thank you, Rachel. And Bella, it's your turn. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Sally, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph. But be sure you are on a solid spiritual ground before you start. Wow, yes, it's so wonderful, and it gives me the freedom and to live without fears anymore. Yes, the program is giving me tools to pose, to pose and to be able to live the present without the fear of the past and without the anxious of the future, just to live the present and not to be connected anymore to my power, to my ego. Yes, today before I eat or I go to certain places or to meet certain people or to talk certain things, today I learned to pause and just to ask myself, Bella, what are your motives for doing those things? What are your motives for saying those things? And yes, if it comes from my ego, from my character defect, to be a people pleaser, to show that I am the power, to be, to show that I am the smartest, or to show that I am perfect, I know I am not on a ground basis, and it's better for me just to leave this place. But if I know that it comes from being connected to God, being connected to a higher power, higher than myself, that, yes, it comes to give over God's message and not mine, and it's nothing to do with my power, then I know, oh, this is a green light for me. And yes, do it, go there, and say it, because it comes from connection, from connection to the higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And Katie G., you're Hey, Sally. Good morning. This is Katie G., my friend, recovered compulsive overeater for today. Thank you, God. 
All right. So we're in chapter 12, right? Working with others. Um, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to food addicts, alcoholics, and <clears throat> practice these principles in all our affairs, right? So what are the principles, right? So what do we learn in our fourth step? Well, let me start with this. So I have a physical allergy, right, coupled with my mental obsession, which, you know, basically means I have a disease that wants me dead and will settle for me eating. So, um, you know, I have physical abstinence, thank you, God, and I need to stay out of the mental obsession, right? So it's teaching me, okay, so if I'm going to go and be in places where I could be uh, tempted, like I need to make sure, like, why exactly am I going? Okay, that sounds fine. What I really want to hone in on and stress is um, this last line. Um, but if you are shaky, you better work with another alcoholic instead. i got to tell you guys, this is my number one, number one, number one, number one go-to saves my butt every time. And it saves my butt because <clears throat> what it does is, you know, recently um, when I've had um, situations where I've gone out and been around a lot of people drinking and a lot of excess and whatnot, I then, like, I'll call a bunch of newcomers, and newcomers are the highlight or people in relapse. And what it does is it brings me back to the precious fact of my absence and my connection with God, right, because I'm saying, oh, my gosh, like, these are luxury problems. These are, like, first world problems that I get to, like, obsess. Do I go? Do I not go? Hey, you know what? I've been invited. I don't know about you guys, but when I was eating and under eating and exercise bulimia and taking laxatives to the point where I couldn't be in social situations because I was so sick because of the laxatives, if you fill in the blanks, I was not getting invitations anywhere. I didn't have relationships with people. I didn't have bosses who wanted me employed. I got fired. So like, holy smokes, the blessed fact of my abstinence, like I got another woman on the line not those messy crying because she can't stay abstinent for 15 minutes and I remember I remember the death of that I remember being in being a member of Overeaters Anonymous for years and years and relapsing and thinking what is wrong with me why can't I get this what is wrong with me and hey guys I don't have this you know like thank you God I have abstinence and I'm recovered for today and I'm working my butt off and there are times that you know I have the food thoughts and I call newcomers because it brings me back to who I am at my core and what my primary purpose is today is to stay abstinent and help another woman and you know my dna is selfishness self-centeredness dishonesty and fear right like i want to sit around and obsess about me what is my solution other centeredness god-centeredness and you will find and um, our big book teachers can reference them there are like a thousand at least references in this book that says you have a problem talk to god throw yourself into helping others you have a problem talk to god throw yourself into helping others. So guys, if I have a problem today, I can't focus on me. I am the problem. God is a solution, helping others. And um, what a privilege it is to be a member of this fellowship. And with that, I do pass. Thank you. Thank you, Katie T. And Melissa, it's your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, this is what... um, this is just what's so amazing about working the 12 steps and having recovery. Um, it's not so that I can march around in a thin body or a thinner body, um, feeling full of myself, deciding, you know, where do I get graced with, you know, who gets graced with my presence and who doesn't. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm given this gift of, um, of a abstinence so that I can do for other people, so that I can bring 
something to other people, not so that, um, you know, so that I can feel so superior or wonderful without me. And, you know, I think about um, how I used to decide where I would go. And, and, um, you know, when I was enslaved by the food and when I was, you know, over 300 pounds, I didn't want to go anywhere. I, I wanted to stay at home. Um, or I wanted to go to the fast food places, not even get out of the car. I wanted to go through the drive-thru because I didn't want to be seen. I couldn't stand, um, you know, my presence. And thank God I don't live that way anymore. So, you know, now when I go someplace, it's it's really so that I have a message to carry and, and I have important work to do. And, um, you know, having having a physical weight loss, um, it does call attention. And, you know, and thank God I have this ego leveling program because the attention is not so that people can see how great Melissa is, but to really bear witness to how incredible this program of recovery is. And then I get the opportunity when I go to those places, I'm, I'm generally asked something about what I'm doing. And, um, and that's just, you know, that's my greatest uh, happiness today. It's really carrying the message, working with other people, sharing um, precisely what we do to have recovery. And if I'm not feeling spiritually fit, um, I don't go, you know, go or don't go. But it's what can I do for other people? That's my primary focus. And, you know, with that as my compass, um, I feel safe. I can go lots of places. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. I'm, I'm Sally A. I'm going to jump in here and um, share on this beautiful paragraph. This paragraph for me is actually the starting gun for my my present recovery, my present state of being recovered. I remember that I, you know, you guys have probably heard me say I've been around the rooms for over 30 years. I was in the food, in the rooms. And um but even when I came to a big book study group and I found out that the big book was the solution, that it had, that it contained the solution, I still two more times went back into the food and didn't know really what, what am I that, am I really that sick? Am I that refractory that I'm just not going to get well? And even, you know, going through the steps with a sponsor, I still, after two months of abstinence, went back to the food. Again, we started again, back through the steps with a sponsor. Again, I went back to the food. And it's because I went to visit my kids in New York, and I wasn't on sound, solid, spiritual ground before I went. And when I got to New York with a brand-new sponsor, I just started again. I told her, this is the place that I keep breaking my abstinence. And she said to me, are you kidding me? Get in the car and go home. And I couldn't understand. It was like foreign language. Get in the car and go home. I just drove three hours to get to New York. What are you talking about? Sally, get in the car and go home. Stay for the night because it's 11 o'clock at night. But in the morning, get in the car and go home. And now I understand why. I was not in any position to face the emotional drama and crises that were going to go on. I was not well enough. I simply was not well enough. I needed to put myself into ICU, into a place of safety for a number of months. I did not go back to New York for four months. And when I did go, I went for an evening for one dinner. And then I came home the same night because I wasn't well enough to face that type 
of stress to face that type of, of um, I don't even know what to call it here. But I want to add, just end on this note at the bottom of page 101 where it says, or am I expecting to steal a little vicarious pleasure? When I look back on those trips and when I didn't bring my own food, I just look back and I think, wow, you were setting yourself up for a binge just by going. You set yourself up. Now when I go to New York, I go prepared, I bring my food, and I'm in a much better place spiritually. And so with that, I'm going to pass, and I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next paragraph. I hope um, you guys are all ready for that. Anita J., will you take us into the next paragraph? Why sit with a long Yes, I will. Can you hear me, Sally? I sure can. Go ahead. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for your service. This is Anita J. Recovered. Thank you, God, in Massachusetts. Why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? If it is a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. If a business occasion, go and attend your business enthusiastically. If you are with a person who wants to eat in a bar, by all means, go. Go along. Let your friends know they are not to change their habits on your account. At a proper time and place, explain to all your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, few people will ask you to drink. While you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you're getting back into the social life of this world. Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. And I, too, um, this this time, uh, you know, this last, uh, since February of 2014, it's been an entirely different experience uh, in, in social situations. I... Um, is this being blessed or it just tells you what a phony and hypocrite I was? I never partake. I never did. If I went 229 or, or where, anywhere, in any size, did I ever eat the food that was there? Um, maybe you caught me sneaking some if you walked into the kitchen quickly of uh, someone's house, uh, things like that, but I never did. All it did was build me up to go home and eat the house down. And thinking, I'm fooling everybody. Well, there's no more games like that. And the reason I did things like that um, was because I was doing it. I, with my strategies, my strategies, I've been up and down, really. I realized 100 pounds. I never realized it was that much. uh, that was because I was relying on myself. And this time, that is the difference. Uh, I just, sometimes that food looks just like it's on cardboard display. There are some fantastic places where they have on displays. It's real, real life looking, really looks like you could smell it. And it, it's not real. And that's how... I am most of the time now. I just cannot believe it. And I have to believe it because this is what God is telling me. You can go anywhere and you can increase the happiness of other people. You know, I don't want to be the person who rains on other people's parades. 
why should I be the one? I've noticed everyone's smiling and there's one long-faced person at a table. Uh, it's just a downer. I, I don't want to be a downer. I'm not on uppers or downers. I just am on God. And um, it's just a fantastic place to be. I'm really not afraid of any situation anymore because um, I'm not making them up. If people wanted to get together, I'd think, oh, we got to do it over dinner. Who said? Who said it had to be over dinner? It's just an amazing new way of thinking when God is putting the thoughts into my brain. And um, I do have the word that I used to hate when my friend talked about credibility. Isn't that amazing that I have credibility today? It's uh, nothing bothers me. uh, Are you sure this won't bother you? Are you sure? I have one friend. That's what I think of her now as, are you sure? I am sure because every day I'm making sure that I am staying close to my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Kennedy? Larry? Uh, w. LCM. Leah. Okay, I didn't do as well on this pass, you guys. I missed the first couple of names. I did get Larry. I Janice. Get, uh, I'm sorry, Kim Janice. G. Janice. Janice. Gotcha. Janice. Amy. W. Kim G. Amy. Chelsea I got LCM. Janice P. Kim. Larry. Chelsea M. Sarah W. And Leah. I'm sorry if I missed Amy E. I'll put you on the list, Amy E. Okay, Janice P. Mm, Good morning. Thank you, Sally. Thank you so much. My name is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love that we're talking about this kind of stuff because, you know, this is, to me, they're not just words on the page. They're not just words on the page. They are ways in which those first 100 alcoholics, from their own experience, put down on paper what they found to be true. Once you get abstinent, once you're working the 12 steps, in my case, as if my life depended on it, what is life going to look like in that part of my recovery that I used to isolate myself from. You know, it says that we can't shield a man from temptation. And I don't know about you, but we live in a culture, we live in a world where food is everywhere. It's even in the hardware store, (laughs) goodness sakes. You know, it's wherever we go, there's food. Food that used to tempt me, food that used to call to me. But if I've been working this spiritual program, and if I'm now getting the benefits of this spiritual program, then I'm going to be on solid spiritual ground in a way that I was not before, in a way that I was not before. So how am I going to engage in life now that I'm in this new place? Well, I don't know about you, but I, I look at that working with another alcoholic, if you're shaky, as I did not want to need you guys. I did not want to need you guys. I did not want to need to pick up the phone before I picked up the food. I didn't want any of that. But that's what I found when I got here. 
So I found that preparation, my sponsor taught me well from her experience that preparation was always going to be the key. You know, so preparing myself for whatever occasion I was going to, whether it was a business occasion, whether it was a social and family occasion, whether it was um, with friends, whether it was a plain old whoopee party. You know, I was going to have preparation. First, the relationship with my higher power. Make sure that's solidly and thoroughly in my corner. Then, to call other people, let them know what I'm doing. Help them. You know, people prayed for me. Sometimes people, sometimes I bookended it. Sometimes I made a call to a newcomer before I went just to remind myself of who I was and what I was up against. But then when I got to the occasion, I attended enthusiastically. It says, and try to increase the pleasure of those there. If a business occasion, go and attend to your business enthusiastically. You know, I say, thank God. Grant me cheerfulness and enthusiasm. You know, let me not be the one with the long face. Let me go participating, participating. And then if it comes up, if people ask, or if the time is right, I can share what it is that might be setting me apart slightly if other people are noticing. But most of the time, they don't care. And they're not noticing. You know, it's mostly in my own head. But I don't have to live there anymore. I'm not withdrawing from life anymore. Um, Thank you so much, Sally. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Kim G? Good morning, Sally. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. While you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life little by little. Now you are getting back into the social life of this world. Don't start to withdraw again just because your friends drink liquor. You know, this, this really hits my heart. Because let me describe to you what my life was like prior to coming into Overeaters Anonymous. I lived with my parents in my 20s in a bubblegum pink room with Holly Hobby furniture, and I spent most Saturday nights alone with binge foods and romance novels. Now, let me describe to you what my life was like for many years in Overeaters Anonymous using it as a diet program. I had an apartment, but I would sit alone on a Saturday night watching TV, eating romance novels, because I was afraid to go out to the bars with my friends because I might be around the, the peanuts on the bar. I couldn't date because date meaning, dating mean that I had to go out to dinner or go to movie theaters, which scared me. And I spent my life avoiding triggers. And when I think about that, I isolated as much in my, in my recovery, which wasn't recovery, it was dieting with group support, as I did in my disease. That's not what my God wants for me. And I believe it's not what your higher power wants for you. It wants us to participate in life. It doesn't want us to be a bondage to abstinence the way we were in bondage to the food. And sometimes it helps me because... You know, we learn the doctor's opinion. We cannot differentiate the truth from the false. Our alcoholic life is the only normal one. Sometimes it helps me to understand how with other parts of my life I accept my quote-unquote limitations and I still participate in life. You know, I am a, a, a very pale human being. I'm Irish, Polish, German, Tyrolean, and English. I am very pale and I sunburn very, very easily. But I love going out in the sun. I love being outside. I'm a very outdoorsy person. 
So I accept the fact that I have to wear 50 plus, you know, on sun, sun on tan lotion. I accept the fact that I have to, when I go on vacation, I just went on vacation with my brother, I have to make sure that's when the first thing I pack is my suntan lotion and my baseball cap, and I have very light brown eyes, and the sun really bothers my eyes, so make sure I have a good pair of sunglasses. And I also bring aloe vera with me, because sometimes I don't hit all the spots, and this vacation I got really burned on the back of my neck, so I need that to treat it. But do I get angry? Do I think this time I'm going to pretend I'm not going to suntan? And my brother is actually adopted, and he's American Indian and Italian, and I, this guy has incredible skin and tans beautifully. Do I get angry and resentful because my brother can walk out with us, with me, and get this beautiful tan where I have to protect myself from the sun? No. I thoroughly accept who, in, who I am with my skin, and I thoroughly accept who I am with my food. So I prepare without anger or rank, but understand that I'm going to enjoy my vacation more if I have the food that I need and if I protect my skin from the sun. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Larry, it's your turn. And Elsie, you're up next. Thanks, Sally. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, you know, this is great. You know, why sit with a long face in places where there's drinking? Uh, sighing about the good old days that that was <laughs> that's all I had was a long face before this this process of recovery um, took place in my life you know so I would go to family events I'll, I'll describe you know the change I mean uh, and it's been a long time but it wasn't that long ago I don't know a few months ago um, where I was at a, a family event and I was at my brother's house and you know um, they don't eat like I eat but nobody, nobody's concerned with how I eat anymore. They were years ago because they saw a difference. <laughs> they saw, you know, oh, my gosh, Larry's on a diet, you know, and they want to hear all about my diet and all, you know. And, um, I mean, those days, I, I, I sort of kind of wrestled through that, that it, you know, that's uh, tricky early on. But, um, you know, eventually people, they, they, don't, they don't notice anymore. That's a beautiful place to be. Nobody notices anymore. So I was at uh, at my brother some time ago, and uh, it was a it was a it was a nice um, day. So I had my my motorcycle out, and um, you know, and and family is doing what family does. They're having a good time, and they're drinking, and they're eating, and all that stuff. And you know, I brought my own food, but um, at some point, you know. Um, there were there were you know family members that wanted to take a motorcycle ride. Oh my gosh, they you know they love my motorcycle. They want to take a ride. Okay, so we we take a ride locally. The thing is is that what I try to do is I try to increase the pleasure of those around me. And but I have by the grace of God I have the ability to do that today. I never had the ability to do that before because look after all it was all about me. I couldn't see beyond me it was everything was about how i was being impacted by what other people were doing what they were eating and i was a slave to my feelings today i feel do i feel good today do i feel not so good today it's it's okay today see i'm i'm connected to the power source that i call god and 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 today I can be present for others in a way that I never was before. And that's an amazing, amazing place to be. 
And I struggled in this program for many years, and I thought that everyone was getting it but me. And today I know that it's possible for anyone, anyone at all. It's not just for the special. There's no hierarchy. There's no gurus. It's for everyone. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry. Elsie, you're up. And Sarah W., you're up next. Elsie M.? Hi, this is Elsie M. from Philadelphia. Good morning, everyone. I wanted to, uh, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I wanted to just speak to that lack of clarity that we have when um, we're in the food, and it was referred to earlier in the previous paragraph and also by some people who shared, that, um, you know, we don't know when our uh, vision of things is, is uh, impaired. And that's why it's so important to work with sponsors and with people um, close to us so that they can kind of say to us, hey, I don't know if you're thinking clearly. Um, and that, you know, I love that comment about ICU because I think that's so true. It's so severe. Our disease is so incredibly um, you know, just really, uh, I can't think of the right word, but subtle, you know, and it, and it kind of creeps up behind us and we don't know it's there. And uh, so I'm just so glad we have the book, um, we have this meeting, and we have our fellowship and, and uh, working with a good sponsor to help us see things more clearly so that we can get to the recovery that we so badly want. Thank you so much and have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Elsie. And Sarah W. and Leah, you're up next. Good morning, Shelley. Thank you for your service. This is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Well, you know, the last two days, the thought that has kept coming into my mind is the word honesty. And, um, you know, I think the honesty has to be the bottom line of the first step. You know, really, that I have to concede to my innermost self that I am, I am the real deal. You know, I have this issue that it's not going to go away, that no matter how recovered I am, I am still a compulsive overeater, and that my disease is arrested by working these 12 steps. And I know for myself the progression of the disease showed its ugly head when I chose to pick up about 10 years ago, and I ended up in a very long relapse about seven years. And I came in at 222 pounds, a very unhappy woman, uh, in 1995, and during my relapse, I would say that I was even more unhappy and I created more havoc in other people's lives than my own during that relapse than I even did before, and that I got up to almost 300 pounds during that time, and I have no doubt in my mind that I could be a 500-pound person, none. And not only that, but I couldn't even lay down flat on the bed. I was diagnosed with severe COPD, uh, you know, I, I had high blood pressure, I was very, very unhealthy, fatty liver disease, all those things I attribute to my disease. And the way I'm going to connect this together is that the honesty has to be that I have to be willing to go to any length to get this program, and that at times I don't get to get my way. And I also don't get to look at other people and say, wow, wow, I want this. You know, the reality is that as with anything else in life, sometimes you have to go through some discomfort to come to the other side where you say, wow, look what happened. 
it's kind of like an education. You know, it's 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 a, it's difficult to get educated. It's not easy. You have to sacrifice certain things. And so this is what I think of when I'm reading this. And I wanted to go back to page 77 for a moment and just say that what's my real purpose? It's to fit myself to be of maximal service to God and to other people. And, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, I'm looking to get something. That means that I'm looking for how I can give. But I have to be very honest that at times in my recovery, when I lost my mother, I had to really ask myself, because I was very vulnerable, and I was recovered, but when you are very vulnerable with a very traumatic issue that happens, you do have to be very cautious with yourself. You know, if there's an extreme event, I need to be very careful with myself. And maybe I do need to put myself in ICU for a little while, and that's okay. I don't have to be perfect today, and I never will be. You know, I'm just trying to practice the program to the best of my ability. And the best way for me to practice is to practice better behaviors. That is how I feel like I become much more spiritually fit. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Leah, it's your turn. And Amy E., you're up next. Thanks so much, Sally. Why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking, sighing about the good old days? Well, you know, our book says that uh, to get over compulsive overeating will require a transformation of thought and attitude. So this was, you know, one of the first places that I could apply a new attitude, an attitude of gratitude. You know, um, who am I kidding that I'm deprived, sighing about the good old days? You know, one thing I had to realize is to not glamorize um, the horrors that I had just come out of. Um, You know, it was like euphoric recall. What was I being deprived of now in a recovered life? What was I being deprived of? Deprived of obesity? Deprived of depression? Deprived of fits of rage? Deprived of lethargy? Deprived of shame, of fear, of pain? Deprived of all the medical consequences that occurred because of my compulsive overeating? Deprived of the uh, emotional mayhem that I created between my two ears and in the lives of those around me who loves me that's what i'm <laughs> that's what i'm sighing about what am i what am i deprived of the suicidal thinking the time i spent trying to figure out how to off myself that's what i'm deprived of so that was one attitude that could be changed right from the get go leah look at all the diseases that do not have a solution i have a solution i have a way out if i want to work it i can be free This book guarantees that. What about all the diseases where there is no solution? What about the young fellow, Leah, that you know in hospice right now who would do anything for, uh, you know, for a way out of terminal cancer? Cancer. So how about that? So it was like a wake-up call, you know, a wake-up call. Now, there was a time period where I had to, you know, it was prudent to keep out of slippery situations because I wasn't recovered yet. And it was also a sign of humility and spiritual maturity to stay out of those places. And it was an acceptance of my vulnerability and my limitations until I was recovered. Once I was recovered and I could re-engage in those environments, it was not important that those around me fully comprehended who and what I was and what I needed to do. Did I know who and what I was? 
did I accept I was a real compulsive overeater and there was never going to be a day I wasn't one? Did I understand that my recovery was a life and death matter for me? Did I behave in that way? You know, that was the bottom line for me. Do I know who and what I am? It doesn't matter whether other people understand it or slap me on the back and say, hey, we're so happy you're, you know, you're recovered now. I don't care. You know what I mean? If they had questions, I answered them. But this was a life and death matter for me, and that was a new attitude. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And Amy E. will be our last share this morning. Hi, this is Amy E., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Thanks for letting me share. I appreciate all the comments. Um, go or not go, to be sure that I'm in fit spiritual condition. Um, in in abstinence, this has um, also been, uh, I like what was said earlier about um, uh avoiding triggers. In my abstinence, I have avoided family situations, avoided social situations, because I felt, you know, I'm going to be with my mother-in-law and that's going to be a trigger. I'm going to be around some of my favorite foods and that's going to be a trigger. I'm going to be around my in-laws and that's going to be a trigger. And I was isolating myself. And that, and, but she, um, wrapping myself in the cloak of, well, I'm protecting my abstinence. Um, and yet uh, it was causing conflict in my family to not be showing up for these events. And uh, it was being interpreted as um, holier than thou and being judgmental. Um, when I was early in my sobriety, I would go home and, and disappear and go to meetings. And my parents were like, you, you can't be with us for a few hours without running away to a meeting. Um, they they took it the wrong way. And I was... I could develop that attitude of, well, that's their problem. Um, but I also need to look at it as how am I contributing to their feelings of being hurt and insulted and angry? How am I getting the ball rolling? So in many instances, um, the best way to protect my abstinence is to really drill down into my fourth and fifth steps and really start asking for the healing in those relationships so that I can go to these weddings and funerals and family functions and be with family members and that they are, I'm neutral around them, that they are not a trigger and that I don't feel like I'm going to run to the food because I'm around my mother-in-law. You know, that just tells me I need to do more spiritual work. Um, and uh, uh, I, I, I'll end it there uh, because I'm conscious of the time. Um, I'm really grateful for this program and grateful for abstinence I've had. Thank you. Thank you, Amy E. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Santa J. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you, Sally A. My name is Santa A. A grateful recovery. A compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Thank you for your service today, Sally, and thank you for everyone on the line that provided service today. I was appreciative. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come. 
if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't gotten. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely be some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.